And you all should have gotten a scripture journal. If you didn't get a scripture journal, what that is, it's scripture on one side, open notes on the other side. There's four of the minor prophets in that book. So you get Zechariah along with some others. But what we're asking you to do is just stick along through the series with us. Write those notes down. Write down questions that you may have. And you can send those questions into newhilloh.com slash ask. Uh, so that we can then have podcast material. A lot of you all have been asking about podcast material. Uh, you got to get Gary, Mark, and uh, even Simon in there. And if any of you are like, hey, I'd love to, to sit and talk about this topic, we'd love to have you uh, on as well. That way we can grow in our faith and talk about different things. But you can go there and send in your questions for a biblical response. So Zechariah 2, we're, we're picking up here, and this is the third vision. We had two visions last week. I want to give a little bit of a recap. Um, it'll become difficult to do as we end up down the road, uh, chapter and chapter in, uh, even five chapters in, trying to recap uh, these visions um, in, in one sitting. So if you could just make sure you're every week you're, you're listening and trying to write down some bullet points, because these are important. It's not just that Zechariah was speaking to the people then. Yes, he was speaking to them, but church, this is absolutely for us. God did not just make part of it relevant just to them, right? No, we need to read this. We need to understand what God would have for us today, even from the mouth of Zechariah, the prophet, as God has inspired his scripture and used the prophets and the apostles to pen down his word. First off, we have chapter one, verses one through six. That was our first week. And really what what you see is it's the premise of the book. It's very simple, Um, even though it it can be difficult as you read these visions and trying to understand the context of what is happening there. But the first six verses of chapter one, it's laying the premise, right, that the Lord remembers and the Lord restores. The prophets were typically raised up to call God's people back to himself, to to forsake something in their life or in their community that they've, they've idolized or they've departed from God to seek after this. And God has used these prophets. Come back. Do you, do you remember when you were in the wilderness? Do you remember when I cared for you? So the prophet Zechariah was raised up in this time of, of complacency to call his people back to himself. This is after the Babylonian exile. It, it should be noted, I, I mentioned I feel like I got ahead of myself a few weeks ago, but but Nehemiah follows Zechariah, right? Zechariah is there in between uh, after the exile, but Esther is raised up to get the rest of the people that stayed in Babylon to go back, the rest of the Jews, to begin rebuilding Jerusalem. And then Nehemiah building the wall comes after this. And that's important for what we're going to read today, but that's the premise, first six verses. And that's our theme is that the Lord remembers and the Lord restores. Literally, Zachariah's name means God remembers. We're going to keep hitting on that. Verses 7 through 21 of chapter 1, the first two visions. And what we see in both of these visions is it's teaching us and God's people at that time to trust in the sovereignty of God. What that means is, is do you believe that God can do whatever he wants or do you believe and trust in that God does do what he wants? Right. That God is actually working all things out according to his will and his plan for his glory. Now, that's very difficult to understand because then we've got to to wrap our minds around the fact that the evil things that are going on, God is allowing for some purpose. That's difficult. Right. Amen. Everybody thought that that's difficult and that's okay to admit that's difficult, but it's true. So then what we saw there in those visions was to trust in that sovereignty, despite their circumstance and the enemy prospering around. You see the vision of the angels. They go and they're watching. God has these watchmen and they see that all the earth is at rest while God's people seem to be suffering and being oppressed. 
And we're taught that God is sovereign. And that we can look past our current state and circumstance and say, God is holy, he's just, and he's mighty, and he's working out his plan for my good and for his glory. I will rest in him and his sovereignty. And today we come to the third vision. It's going to be chapter two. And our main point this morning is going to be that God dwells with and protects his people, right? God dwells with and protects his people. You're going to see this through this vision. What exactly is going on? That in God's dwelling with his people, he's protecting them. It's like a, a child, right? When, when, when uh, you're around your parents, you feel safe, right? Like dads, you, you give off that persona or should be giving off that persona that, that when, when our babies are next to us, they feel safe and they feel secure, Because that's something that we as dads are supposed to be is provider and protector. That's a God-given responsibility. And it's that sense that you get with God that in his dwelling, literally his presence, that you are safe. You are secure. And in this world, when everything is chaos, chaos is abounding around us. The earth seems at rest and we are being oppressed for believing and sharing the gospel that we can rest and trust in God's presence. That in one day he will permanently dwell with us. We'll see him in his glory while being in our glorified bodies and we will praise him forever. We will be safe. I like going around with uh, Pastor Mark. I just feel safe. Right, right. Just his, his presence. And what's funny is, is if you know Mark, it, there's not really much that he's a very gentle giant. Right. Even even Gary, gentle giants. And I'm like, if I just walked around with them like Floyd Mayweather, Floyd Money, I feel safe. I feel like no one's going to try anything when they are around church. We need to have that kind of understanding of God and his presence. Literally in the Old Testament, the enemies of Israel would fear Israel many times. Not because of Israel, but because of the God of Israel and what they'd seen him do. Church, God dwells with and protects his people. And we have a response that we we should be showing because of that. But before we go any further, let's let's pray that God would move amongst us, that he would illuminate his word to our heart this morning. And, And as we do that, may we also confess our sins from this past week. Just confess it to the Lord and be assured that you've been forgiven in Christ. But do not harbor that in this morning. Approach the cross with assurance of forgiveness. Father God, we praise you for your word. We thank you for this time that we could come and we can meet this morning together in your presence with one another to exalt the name of Jesus. I pray uh, right now for your blessing um, amongst this gathering, Lord, that you would just be with us, that you would move in and through us, your people, and God, that, that your word would, would ring true to our ears this morning, God, and that we would not just receive it, but we would believe it and we would live it out, God. May we see the goodness of your dwelling presence with us, and God, may we long for your coming again. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God dwells with and protects his people. Our response to that, right, isn't just just saying, right? Like everybody can sit here and say that God dwells with and protects his people. God doesn't just dwell with the new covenant people. He dwells inside of us, right? That that we believe the outpouring of the spirit, this was something very different from the Old Testament, that, that God is now not confined to Jerusalem. He's not confined to a temple. He's not just behind the veil, for the veil has been torn and the spirit has been poured out. God dwells inside of his people, making us a living temple, as the word says. But our response shouldn't just be saying that. It should be to return, rejoice, and revere 
God, right? Those are our three, three points, our, our three responses to the truth that God dwells with and protects his people. We hear that, right? And we should return to him. Maybe you feel like as though you, you've been uh, departing, not necessarily from the faith, but from, from a, a sense of trust. Or you used to trust God this much, and now it's just like, I just see some things. and No, trust him, right? Return to him. In the fullness, right? Not, not being a lukewarm Christian, which Revelation says there's no such thing as. No, believe and live it out. Rejoice, praise him, revere being all of him. Let's start with return. We, we hear this truth that God dwells with and protects his people. Therefore, we should return. When we see that goodness, we should return. Let's look at this vision here in the first five verses specifically. Zechariah 2 verse 1 says this. And I lifted my eyes and saw, and behold, a man with a measuring line in his hand. Then I said, where are you going? And he said to me, to measure Jerusalem, to see what its width and what is its length. And behold, the angel who talked with me came forward, and another angel came forward to meet him and said to him, run, say to that young man, Jerusalem shall be inhabited as villages without walls because of the multitude of people and livestock in it. And I will be to her a wall of fire all around, declares the Lord. And I will be the glory in her midst. This vision is actually one of the the easier ones uh, to understand. Maybe at first you you were like me, but as we talk about it, ah, there it is. I I see that, right? It's not talking about the myrtle and surrounding and God's people and these horses and the horsemen and the watchmen and the watchtowers and the horns. This one's pretty, pretty simple. So the vision here would have been a little unsettling at first, right? Like if you would have received this. And the reason is, is, is they wanted to rebuild Jerusalem, right? They, they became complacent a little bit. They, they were afraid of their enemies that if they started to rebuild that they may become captive again. And, and they were just very complacent. But they knew that Jerusalem needed to be rebuilt. So this measuring stick, it says that there was a man with a measuring line in his hand. And when asked where you're going... The man said to measure Jerusalem to see what is its width and what is its length. It's like a tape measure, right? Pretty easy. The idea here is that they're rebuilding Jerusalem. And there was always this focus on rebuilding Jerusalem, right? And even beforehand, there was this this view that Jerusalem was the place, right? That was where God's temple was. Therefore, God's dwelling presence was. Yes, he went with his people in the wilderness. But there was something about Jerusalem that God was pointing his people to. And their eyes became fixated on it, almost to a fault. There was always a focus to a fault of their physical prosperity and location of worship. Jesus even said when he came, he said, there will be time where you neither worship in this place or on that mountain, but you will worship in spirit and in truth. Church, that's why we can go and and we can pray and we don't have to go through a priest. We don't have to go through the pastors to pray to God. It's because the outpouring and indwelling of the spirit. So God dwells with and protects his people. This is good news for us. This is a reason we should return to him. So this is not to negate the promises or importance of Jerusalem, the temple, the walls, and so on. But it is to point at the hearts on this matter. Right? I believe that there is still more to come for the city of Jerusalem. But this was dealing with the hearts of God's people, which has always been the issue. That we can, we can move from this building and we could go back to the moose. And guess what? We get to worship in spirit and in truth. But they're told... About the dwelling of God and protection 
by his dwelling. See, this vision was a doozy for them, for they're told of a city without walls. They're also told in Nehemiah that comes after this, rebuild the walls. Nehemiah is given to the people to tell them to rebuild the walls so that they could rebuild their worship to God. So the walls did matter, right? For a reason. It wasn't about the walls. It was about the worship of God. So their eyes, this needs to be rebuilt. Regardless of how complacent we are, this needs to be done. And they get this vision that says this. It says, he said to him in verse 4, Run, say to that young man, the one with the measuring stick, the line, right? Jerusalem shall be inhabited as villages without walls because of the multitude of people and livestock. And the reason, the reason it will be inhabited without walls is because there's going to be so many people and so many animals that God's kingdom is going to be established that the walls will not be able to contain his kingdom. And it's a beautiful picture, church, of what is to come and what we get a little bit of a picture of even in this life. They're told about this dwelling and this protection from God by his dwelling. So it wasn't just the walls don't need to be there. It'll be inhabited by a multitude of people and livestock. Verse five, Does the trust here. The understanding that that God dwells with and protects his people by his presence, right? Is that in verse five, it says, and I will be to her a wall of fire all around, declares the Lord. And I will be the glory in her midst. You get this vision and then we pick up really for point number one. I should tell you point number one really starts right here. Verse six. So you hear that, you get this vision that, that Jerusalem is, the walls need to be rebuilt. You get the measuring stick. No, 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 no. Jerusalem shall be inhabited as villages without walls because of the multitude of people and livestock in it. And I will be to her a wall of fire all around, declares the Lord, and I will be the glory in her midst. Listen to this. Verse six. Up, up, flee from the land of the north, declares the Lord. For I have spread you abroad as the four winds of the heavens, declares the Lord. Up, escape to Zion, you who dwell with the daughter of Babylon. So you get this this beautiful picture of God's dwelling and protection by his presence with his people in the first uh, five verses. And then there's this call to take action. Listen, listen, listen up. I don't know about you all with, with your kiddos or if you've ever babysat a kid and you put them uh, down for, for a nap and it's like you, when you're trying to wake them up and they're just kind of like out of it. Like this is what is happening here. They become stagnant. Listen, listen. That's up, up. Listen. You need to listen to this. Flee from the land of the north. Flee. You who dwell with the daughter of Babylon, flee. Listen. Get up. They've been freed from Babylonian captivity. This is directly to the Jews who are still in Babylon. They've been freed and they're staying there. Up, up. This is the enemy. Why do you dwell with her and not with me? Listen. The land of the north, dwelling with the daughter of Babel. This is directly to those who are remaining in Babylon after they've been released. God had freed them. God had freed them. And we see 
through the scriptures, how they, they end up freed and they come back. It should not have been so. They should not have stayed. They should have gone back to the land that the Lord had promised them. Verse 6, you see the sovereignty of God again coming off of last week. It says, for I have spread you abroad as the four winds of heaven, declares the Lord. God's saying, I did that. Your captivity in Babylon was a judgment because you disobeyed me. But now I've freed you. What are you doing there? Up, up, flee, flee. Get out of here. Go, return to the land. God's like, it's over now. Return, return. Another thing with children. Have you all ever like put a, a kid in time out and they like don't come out of it? Like we've sent Maylee to her room before and like some of you are like, I can't get my kid in time out. Me either. But there's like those moments, right? Where you send them and I'm like, Maylee, go to your, go to your room. You just need to go up there for like five minutes. Maylee, you can come back down. Maylee, come here. Maylee, Come. And I go up and she's just sleeping. Like timeout was like the place to be. I'm like, this is not how timeout is supposed to work. Right? Like I sent you up there. That was judgment for your action. And you've fallen asleep. That's not the place to be. Timeout is not the place to be. Right? Like, could you just imagine like that, that's what's happening. Instead of returning to the land that had been promised to them. Instead of returning to the place in which God's presence mainly was. They stayed complacent. And the land of the enemy. Wake up. Up, up. Listen. Return. You see my presence? Do you see my protection? Return. Let that be the proper response, church. Whatever it might be in this life, the circumstance, the discipline, it could be a, a, a circumstance that the world has brought onto us that God is allowing. It could be discipline that, that God is actually disciplining us. For, for trying to draw us closer to him when we were trying to draw further away from him and he's disciplining us as his children. Whatever it might be, look at the goodness and the dwelling presence of God and his protection and return to him. Return. Verse 8. For thus says the Lord of hosts, after his glory sent me to the nations who plundered you, for he who touches you touches the apple of his eye. Behold, I will shake my hand over them and they shall become plunder for those who serve them. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me. That's the Lord of armies, right? That, that this is a picture of God that is, is one who's out for vengeance and taking care of that which God and God alone takes care of. Remember, vengeance is mine, thus says the Lord, right? That's why we don't do it. And that's what this is. It says the Lord of hosts, the Lord of armies will plunder the enemy. The protection from God. I mean, this is this is a significant protection. Return to me. I've got control of things. You all are the apple of my eye. The Reformation Study Bible says this. It should be on the screen. But this is a reference to the pupil of the eye. And just as the pupil of the eye is closely guarded against harm, so God protects Israel. God's people are thus at the very core and heart of God's vision. Like, if you want to, like, you got pastor's permission right now. Lean over to your spouse and try and touch their pupil, right? Like, no, everybody knows not to. Becca's looking at Seth. Sorry, brother. If you try and do that, what will happen is 
you get a natural instinct to flinch, right? They try and puff that air stuff in my eyes when I go to do like an eye appointment. I like hold it open and they're like harder. And I'm like, I don't, I know what's coming. It's terrible. I don't, that area is so sensitive because without it, what do we do? You can't see. And then you don't know what to touch and what to grab and how to, I want to get that burger to my mouth so I can eat it and it can go down and be digested and just be goodness, right? Everything starts to fall in the fountain. It's a very sensitive area. We protect it. Our bodies protect it. God protects his people for we are the apple of his eye. And you think about that kind of protection and you shouldn't do anything else other than return to God. To those of you who are believers this morning, return to him. Confessing your sins, being assured that you've been forgiven by the finished work of Christ on the cross. To those of you who have not repented, repent today. Return to your creator. and Be saved. We have the apple of his eye. Literally hearing that, where else do we go but to rejoice, right? Point number two, that we would rejoice. Another response to God's dwelling and protection of his people. We don't just... We don't just um, we don't just look to the goodness of God and think, oh, that, that's cool, right? Like, look at him at work in, in my life. No, we rejoice. We praise him. It's an action, right? That's why we sing songs. That's why we, we, we read the scriptures. That's why we pray. We don't just pray when we need things. We just sit there and pray praise. Like, God, you are active in my life. There's things right now that I'm not even seeing that you are moving the pieces according to your will and all for your glory. And what would it be if we if we simply returned to God and didn't rejoice? That we wouldn't praise him. There's a great theologian, uh, Marvin Gaye, pinned down everything that like he he saw. She's beautiful, right? And like he's like, I'm going to write it down. I'm going to sing it. And a lot of us, we play those songs, we sing those songs, and, and we, yeah. right? And then we turn to God, and we don't even praise, God is good, right? We move on, we, we hit Monday, and Monday rolls around, Tuesday rolls around, and just, we become more and more like the world, and not like Jesus, but then Sunday rolls around, we, you're right, pastor, I see from the, the word, God is good. I should return to him. I should rejoice, right? No, it's not enough to say it. We got to do it. Like, look, after all of this, this is a command in verse 10. You see this, you see the hand of God, you see the dwelling presence of God, you see the sovereign protection for God of his people who are called the apple of his eye. And it says in verse 10, sing and rejoice. O daughter of Zion, for behold, I come and I will dwell in your midst, declares the Lord. Like we're singing and we're praising because of the dwelling presence of God. How much more if they were supposed to praise God for his dwelling presence, then should we praise God for his dwelling presence now? For God has made us his dwelling presence. He is dwelling inside of his people. That is something we have a bigger picture of. And guess what? We can rejoice him for that and we can look to the future when he comes to establish his kingdom and rejoice even more for that hope that we have in Jesus. This is good news. This is another response that we ought to have to God's dwelling with his people and protection. Rejoice. 
Isaiah 61.10 says this. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress. And as a bridegroom adorns herself with her jewels. God's presence is with us. He is dwelling with us. Salvation is here. And we rejoice. Like we rejoice at that. Like how can we read the, the first nine verses? And now that we understand the vision and what, what God's people at that time who felt oppressed should look at. Remember, this is not a story of David, this, this great warrior. This is a group of weak people being oppressed by the outside world, feeling as though that they cannot worship freely. You all feel like that today? I feel like it. And I feel like I don't want to watch the news anymore because I, I'm seeing that it's becoming more and more of a reality. That, yes, things are getting better. The church is expanding. People are continuing to be saved. But there is more to come. The best is yet to come. I long for the day that Jesus returns. But we cannot look at the goodness of God and the works of God in our life and around our life and not return to him or rejoice to him and of him. Singing, praising him, the mighty work of God should lead us in rejoicing. Psalm 95, 1 and 2 says, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. You see his works and praise him. We, I mean, we do that with, with our idols in this world, right? Like we see what they do and their accolades. Like LeBron James is, is the best basketball player ever. We look at, at his GOAT status and we start to like build up the accolades. We're like, that's greatness. And we start to tell people. We start to debate people. But then when it comes to God, we're silent. I was in the car with my dad yesterday and I said, you know, like one problem I have with like my upbringing. So I'm turning, like I'm driving. I'm like, ah. You never let us talk about religion or politics. Church, I, I thought I grew up in a Republican home. And like this isn't, I'm not picking sides here. I'm just telling you my experience. And in West Virginia, politics are different geographically, right? As far as the national, especially now. But I was sitting there and I told him, I was like, you know, I thought like we were like Republican. And I thought Baptists were Democrats and Methodists were Republicans. And I think I've shared this with you all before. And I was like, it's because we didn't talk about these things. Like I made these associations as a kid. For whatever reason, because we're Methodists and I guess Baptists were bad and in my head, like Democrats are all bad. And I'm like, oh, man, like this is something. And I told my dad, I said, we didn't talk about it. And even still, like I'll start to talk to my dad about. We'll save the religion and politics just for another another discussion. Right. We don't talk about that. Like, dad, that's my profession. So you're getting to talk about it. I hear you talk about woodwork. I hear you talk about installing kitchen cabinets and stuff. I'm going to talk about it. It's my faith. Right. We, get, we just get silent. And I told him that. I was like, I don't understand that, that you and your friends can't talk about that. That you can't like love on one another and, and have differences and say, I totally disagree with you. And if you don't believe in the gospel, then you're going to hell. I've got friends that I've told they're going to hell, but like we have a relationship and they understand where I'm coming from and how much my faith means to me. And they know that I care about them. And that's why I say it. Why are we silent? Now, that's 
Not always Michael, right? There's so many times. So don't, don't look at me and, and elevate me. There's plenty of times, probably more than the other side that I can tell you where I was silent. Why? We see the goodness of God and we rejoice. We sing praises. We proclaim the goodness of God. We ought to. See, church, God is dwelling in us and through us and will one day dwell again in our midst. So there's, there's a view here that, that would be that, that, that God has already established his kingdom. It's happening now. The millennial reign isn't, isn't uh, going to happen here on earth. as a thousand literal years. And, and they can make a great case for that. Pastor Mark could share with you that, that view. But what I hold to is that I look forward to that kingdom. Like I, I read the scriptures and I see a thousand year millennial reign. And I see that he says, I will again here later on in verse 12, choose Jerusalem. And that's what I, I look for. Right. But church, regardless, Pastor Mark and, and myself and Pastor Simon would tell you that we know that he is coming back. We sing praises. We rejoice at the goodness and the presence and the dwelling of God in the midst of his people. Amen. I, that, that's our hope. Right. We, we know that. And here in the new covenant, he is dwelling inside of us. That's indisputable. If you deny that, the spirit is not in you. Praise be to God. And where else can we be led but to revere, to to be in awe of God? Point number three, revere. Verse 11, and many nations shall, shall join themselves to the Lord in that day. And shall be my people and I will dwell in your midst and you shall know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. Now, this is the expansion of the kingdom, right? I I do believe that there's direct ties here with the new covenant, that that it was the other nations that the gospel is advancing and going to the whole world. And what does he say again in verse 12? And the Lord will inherit Judah as his portion in the holy land and will again choose Jerusalem. Will again. And then this last verse to end off this third vision be silent, all flesh before the Lord, for he has roused himself from his holy dwelling. Church, we should be in awe of God. Like when we look at him and to him, there's this healthy fear of God that we talk about a lot, but we need to begin to better understand in our lives that we, we look at God, we see his works, we return to him, we rejoice in him and through him and to him forever, but we revere, we've got this awe and wonder of his presence. That we know he is good, we know that he is holy, And we know that we are nothing but sinners. We know that we are nothing but hopeless without his intervention in our life. I mean, where else can we be led but to a place of awe and wonder of the almighty God who is now dwelling inside of his people and will one day come in his fullness. Dwelling with us for all eternity. How good is that? Like to see that, to see the works, right? Like, like church, think about it. We, we don't hear from, from God audibly. Like we're not like Moses and you're hearing the voice of God. We're not seeing Jesus in the flesh right now. And we're led in awe and wonder of the mighty works of God and that we get to see him and be in his fullness one day. Of that mighty God, the works that we see in our life and through all of scripture, through all of human history, we can look to that God, the one and only true triune God, return, rejoice and revere to be in awe of the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews 12 verses 25 through 29, see that you do not refuse him who is speaking. 
For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. At that time, his voice shook the earth. But now he has promised yet once more, I shall shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase yet once more indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore. That means for this reason. So this is the application here. Let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For God, our God, is a consuming fire. Man, you can go ahead and come back up. Church, we see this kingdom. We are this kingdom. But this kingdom will be fully established. We long for that day. Why? Because this kingdom we are grateful for, this kingdom that cannot be shaken. The context of what they were dealing with was everything seemed shakable. Everything was moving. Everything was chaos. The world seemed fine, but their life and the world they lived in was chaos. It says there's this kingdom that is to come. That we experience a little bit of, but is to come in its fullness, will not be shaken. Therefore, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. So that our worship would come from a place of recognizing who God is and having the the proper response of awe and wonder. Wow, how mighty are you, O God, who created all things and is working out all things according to his will. Church, God dwells with us and protects his people. Now, the application here as you leave this morning, you go out this week, is to think about that dwelling presence of God. You may be persecuted by the enemy. Go back to last week and think about how we ought to look past our circumstance and trust in the sovereignty of God. That God is not only capable of being in control of all things, he is in control of all things. And then you think about this week is that our hope is in the hope that is to come. We experience a little bit of it now, right? Like when, when Aubrey was pregnant and there was a joy of there's a baby growing inside, life growing inside of her. And we were excited. We were, were rejoicing. We couldn't wait. And we were already excited. It was like every ultrasound. We got to see a picture of our beautiful child who'd come out screaming and be terrible. But she was beautiful and she was growing and she was healthy. And we longed for that day and we got to see it in its fullness. Church, one day we will see it in its fullness. Fight the good fight. Press on. God dwells with and protects his people. Your response this week to everything you see, the hand of God actively working in your life. Return to him. Each and every day, repent of your sins and be assured. Know assuredly. You're not repenting for your salvation. You're repenting because of your salvation. Because God has saved you, you want to be sanctified in him and like him. Rejoice, praise him, and be in awe and wonder. Be in awe and wonder of his mighty hand. And if you're here today and you don't know Christ, I can tell you, you can look out and you can see the beautiful green is coming back in the grass or some brown spots, but you can look and see the green trees and you can see all of creation points to the handprint of God. Repent and believe. Because we know that the Lord remembers and the Lord restores. God will not forget. But God surely forgives those who return to him. Amen. We believe that. That if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead. 
you will be saved. Repent and believe this morning. And surrender your life to Christ. Church, let's go ahead and stand and sing. We've got one more song. Is this it? A mighty fortress? We're going to sing about how God is our mighty fortress and that, that we do find refuge in him. That it's in his dwelling presence, church, that we find refuge. He protects his people. Let us sing of his goodness this morning. Father God, we thank you for your word in this time that we've had. And Lord, I pray that you would just continue to move in our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would continue to to just help us to trust that your spirit would guide us into a place of, of trust, that we would be obedient to your word and trusting in your plan. Even when chaos seems to abound, God, that we would find rest in you. We would find refuge in you. God, that we would return to you. We would repent. We would remember our sins and we would repent of them. God, that we would rejoice and we would praise you for your works that have, that are, and are to come. God, the things that we'll see in the rest of our life. Lord, and I pray that we would just be in awe of you. It's in our awe and wonder, it's in the healthy fear of you, God, that we would be obedient to your word, to go out and to proclaim these truths and to tell people about Jesus Christ who saves Father, would you lead us this week by the power of your spirit. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's sing.